is What Shall We Do About with Sam Robinson. Yes, hello and welcome to What Shall We Do About, the show that tries to improve the world's less pressing problems. Today, we're entering the glitz and glamour of television. For years, shows have risen and fallen on overnight TV ratings, and yet our viewing habits have changed. With digital channels and streaming services, we have more choices than ever before, and yet TV networks still measure performance via overnight TV ratings. So what shall we do about TV ratings? Joining me this week is a man whose game show Pointless was actually a casualty of low ratings as it was axed earlier this year. It's comedian, satirist and former quiz show host, Mark Humphreys. Mark Humphreys, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me. I am very interested to deep dive into the world of television with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a big fan of TV. I know that you seem to be a big fan of television. Mm. Uh, have you always been a big fan? Yes, always. Um, I think you know, earliest fondest memories are of watching TV with my with my parents. Certainly, grew up on sitcoms and uh, you know shows like The Golden Girls and uh, Murphy Brown and Roseanne back when it was acceptable to uh, to watch Roseanne before we cancelled her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's it. Uh, so no, I always loved watching TV. My dad was in TV, so he. Oh. He was uh, a weatherman on ABC Sydney when I was a kid. And so, you know, I get to see him appear through the box and a couple of times went to the ABC studios and watched him film. And I think that sort of contributed to the, uh, uh, you know, the bug and mm. uh, just the magic of, of live television and, um, yeah, the, just the sort of pressure of, you know, having to get it right and knowing how many homes it would uh, you know, go into so, uh, yeah. No, I've always been a huge fan of TV, and now I have way too many streaming. You know, I don't know how. That that's my big fear for the future is how because I want everything. I really, I've got Netflix, I've got Stan, I've got Foxtel now. I really, I want Amazon, I want <laughs> Apple, I want Disney. Uh, you know, so I just don't see how I'm going to make that work. Um, do you? So you've got all these, but do you actually watch them all? Uh, you know, I guess <laughs> the problem is is that I go through phases. So, like right now, I'm doing The West Wing. So my and that's on stand. So my Netflix and my Foxtel Now subscriptions are just a waste of money. But I can't, you know, I can't cancel them and restart them. That would be that would be silly because I know any day now I'm going to flip over to Foxtel and start watching Succession because I can't have another person telling me how good <laughs> Succession is. Have you watched Succession? I haven't heard of Succession. Oh right, okay. So well, yeah, I'm now out of the loop. But well, now I'm passing it on to you. What it's is it? Can you tell us? Uh, it's kind of like a dynasty, kind of a Murdoch family style kind of thing but I, I i've only watched the first five minutes and just everyone's just been raving about it from the golden girls to succession <laughs> that's it yeah exactly right it's a scope across mm. many years um people would know you from a number of things uh, on tv that the roast the feed pointless now seven thirty, where you do satirical sketches every fortnight yes what made you want to get in front of the telly was it you learning from your dad i think on some level that must have had an effect um, it is a strange desire. It doesn't really make sense. Why would you want to do it? I, I don't know if I can pinpoint a, a particular moment, but it, it, I, all I can say is that I, I just had a feeling, really for my entire life, just an internal drive, knowing that I wanted to make comedy for TV. 
and I, and I can't really explain it, but it just was always there. And so for a long time, I tried to suppress it because I thought it would never happen. So I went and did a degree in advertising in French because I thought it would be a fool's, you know, errand to try and, <laughs> you know, pursue a career in TV. Um, but eventually, I, you know, I, I kind of was getting so frustrated not pursuing it that I thought, well, look, I, I better just find out. I better just see what would happen if I pursued it and kind of gave myself a deadline. And, uh, and you know, if I haven't gotten in by then, then I can say I tried, it didn't work mm. and, and then walk away. But luckily, I, I met my deadline and, yeah. uh, and, and I sort of, you know, have kept going since. But know full well that it could end any day, uh, you know, hopefully not in the Roseanne uh, manner, but, you know, it could, it, could, it could end for any number of reasons. Well, that, I guess, leads us into what we're talking about today, and that is TV ratings. Mm. Because for many, many years, that is what kind of TV shows lived and, and, and died off. And I guess there's a sense that's true now. Mm. But as we know... Things are so fragmented. You mentioned all the streaming services. People are watching free-to-air TV less and less, especially as it's broadcast live. Yes. Uh, can you explain, as far as your understanding of the, the way that here in Australia the TV rating system works, like Oztam? My understanding is that there are... So, I'm, I'm, And I apologise if I've got the details slightly wrong, but my, my general understanding is that there are about 20,000 homes that have a, a measuring box that uh, tracks what those homes watch and mm. those... You know, obviously, those homes are meant to be a representation of Australia broadly, and I think they come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, and you know, diverse and different states, and all those all those sorts of things. So they, that's what they're supposed to be. I think there might also be some sort of, um, uh, in the way that there is with ratings for radio, mm. I think there is some sort of um, journal system that like they a have. Survey book. Yes, a survey. Book. I think that that exists as well. So. Um, that's my vague understanding of the current system. Yeah. But as you know, uh, we're now on the cusp of a new system that will start next year, uh, which is supposed to be much more comprehensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that's going to be taking into account more of the streaming, the catch up, and maybe hopefully a little less emphasis on how many people watched it at that particular point when it first aired. Yes. Um, because that's obviously not the way that many of us are consuming things now. Mm. You know, like I, I can say without a, without a doubt, I am a succession viewer as someone, and I can say that as someone who hasn't watched a single episode <laughs> of Succession. <laughs> so I need to be counted. I need to be counted that yes, I, Succession is on the brain. <laughs> succession will be watched just you know, on my own schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Once the West Wing is done. Once the West Wing is done. I'm, in, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm at the end of season six, so I'm almost there. Well, let's talk about... I want to talk about some of your shows because some of your shows have faced off with TV ratings yeah. and not come out no. the way you wanted. <laughs> let's talk about The Roast. Sure. The Roast was like this... I, I, I didn't watch a whole lot of The Roast, I've got to be honest with you. It was like a two-minute two comedy <laughs> thing that appeared on ABC2. It, it sounds so ridiculous when you think about it. It's, it's crazy to me to think that it existed at all. So, yes, for the first season, it was on ABC2 and the Comedy Channel at uh, 28 minutes past seven. Uh, and so... It, Does that mean it was after Swix and Specs? <laughs> I think that's that a really good question. I think that has never left that time slot. Yes, I think you're right. So it was just I know it was just before Doctor Who um, mm. because we had a complaint 
I got my first ever complaint. For, it was and uh, actually, so it went. What happened is someone complained about a joke that I had written uh, because it aired, you know, just before Doctor Who, and it was a joke that had a kind of adult element to it. Sure. And uh, and so that complaint was sort of rejected by the ABC. I sort of said like, oh, thank you for your concern. Uh, it passed our you know, tests and we're okay with it. But this person was not happy with that. So they went to the Australian Communications and Media Authority. Oh. Uh, and then, so this one joke, you know, yeah. which took me 10 seconds to write, became the subject of a four-page report. And uh, which I still have, and it's quite—it was quite thrilling in its in its own way. So anyway, sorry, and it's a diversion. Long story short, yes, it was a two-minute show of the day, and it was was it five? I think it was five nights a week uh, of um, usually one or a couple of story news stories of that day, and it was so short. I mean, it was, too, it was ridiculous. Anyway, so we did that for one year. And yep. then ABC2 said, oh, yeah, we'll have some more of that. And they expanded it to the rapidly massive time of 10 minutes <laughs> a, uh, a night. And and that had the w- that had an even weirder time slot. For a long time, it was on at 10 past 8. Uh. And like, so just you, people, would, like, it was impossible to catch it. And it was not, it wasn't like a sharp, consistent 10 past 8. It was like if the show before it... Which might have been the Tonight Show. I was going to say, I think it was the Tonight Show. Yeah. Because I, I used to watch the Tonight Show <laughs> on ABC too. Right. But then I wouldn't watch the roast. No, that's fine. There's no judgment. Uh, but if that show it's ran short... Or <laughs> no, <laughs> but if that ran short or long or what have you, the roast could start at 8.07 or yeah, 8.15. Right. And because my segment was always at the top of the show, if the show started before you know 8.10... Regular viewers would just, you know, they would just miss it. <laughs> it was, a, it was dreadful. The, the thing I would say, you know, that I do love about that show was that it was a training ground uh, for me and many other people, and it's so important in this country to have, well, everywhere, but it's so important for the industry to have shows mm. that are training grounds that allow newcomers to come on and and get it wrong, basically. Yeah, basically, you know, to make mistakes and then hopefully learn some things along the way so that they can make the content you know, that a larger audience will watch in the future and that, op- and that hopefully has some kind of quality or, or value to it. Uh, but yeah, so, th- so that was, it was a 10-minute show for uh, two years. Then it was cancelled and then my segment lived on for a brief period on the Guardian website. They commissioned oh, me right. to make a few online versions of it. Okay, so... They're, they're looking at... I mean, it's a digital station to begin with, yes. ABC2. So, it got the axe yep. due to, I guess, low ratings? Or well, is it just more... Is I, it less of the thing? I think that's certainly part of it. I, I don't think you'll ever get a straight answer out of a network for what really <laughs> went, you know, behind... I th- you know, I think there are there are always multiple factors. So, I think ratings certainly sure. was a factor. Um, I do know that, obviously, after our show ended... The, ver- the next year, oh, so m- they already had Ma- Mad as Hell at that stage. So Mad as Hell, I think it started in 2013. And then they were bringing in uh, The Weekly with Charlie Pickering the next year. Mm. And and I've got to be really clear, I'm not blaming that show for one second. I'm just saying that I, I you know, the ABC certainly had already enough news satire stuff okay. ready to go for 2014 with McAuliffe and, and with Pickering. So... I imagine maybe on some level it's like, do we really need another thing mm. on the top of that? But I'm sure ratings would have had new because we, we you know we had three years to give it a go, and we didn't really get a great deal of cut through. There were moments, there were flashes where 
something would kind mm. of resonate and, yeah. and I'd like to think that my segment got th- you know, a little bit of a, a following. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we weren't, you know, we weren't a ratings powerhouse. Okay. Well, then you went on to go to the feed and which is still going and, and you've left that. But um, Pointless, I guess, is what people would know you for on as far as your commercial mm. TV debut, right? Yes. Channel 10? Yes. So it was a 6pm show. Can you... Uh, share, I guess, because the way you got the gig <laughs> of hosting Pointless was an interesting, mm. s- strange way. Yeah. For people who don't know the story, can you share that? Sure. Well, this is the one time that I would say that social media has done some good in my life. <laughs> uh, I, I'm generally, I mean, I'm, I am obviously on it and, and active on it, but, I, you know, it, it absolutely does my head in. But this was one positive outcome from it. So... Uh, about three years ago, I was watching the British version of Pointless on the ABC. I loved it. I think it's a really... I, th- I do genuinely love the show. I think it's a brilliant format, at least in its original incarnation. Uh, and uh, I tweeted, Oh, if they ever make an Australian version of Pointless, I'd love to host it. And I actually went on ABC Radio National and I said the same thing. I found that someone direct, uh, brought to my attention not long ago and I didn't realise I'd actually said it on radio as well that I'd love to host this show if they made it. So, but, but, but at that point I was just, you know, I was no one. Um, so who cares? So fast forward two years and Channel 10 announces that they are going to um, make an Australian version. And so I sort of half-jokingly retweeted myself (laughs) and just added, offer still stands, you know, at Channel 10, at Endemolshine AU, you know, making sure to uh, mention the, you know, (laughs) the Twitter handles of the the people behind the show. Um, And, but knowing that, it's probably just a social media person who sees that mm. they're not then going to run it up the flagpole and say, oh, I've got a tweet from a guy who wants to host. Um, so I just sort of put it out of my mind and I remember reading articles saying that Chris Bath was being considered and various other people. And then suddenly I got a phone call from Endemolshine, the production company. Uh, it was a man named David McDonald who's actually, he's a brilliant producer but also for, what it's for TV buffs, he's mm-hmm. also Gary McDonald's son. Um, so, you know, Gary McDonald, who was Norman Gunston and was, you know, son and mother and son. Anyway, so David McDonald calls me and says, oh, I've got this, got this tweet here about uh, Pointless. Uh, uh, are, you, uh, are, you, are you serious or are you being satirical? And I was like, no, no, I'm deadly serious. I really love the show. And we had a phone conversation for about 10 minutes where I think I managed to make it quite clear that I really did know mm. the show because I, I, I said things like, you know, oh, look, because I think he said, like, you know, we'd be interested in coming in for an audition. And I said, I would, but it's really important to me that the prize money be absurdly low. I would hate for it to us to be giving away real money. He's like, no, no, I can promise you it's going to be low prize money. Oh, good, good, good. And I was like, my other condition is that there be a, a laptop on the desk that serves no purpose. That's very important. And so the fact that I knew things like that, yeah. I think was like, oh, this guy at least is across it. Yes. Yes. And so anyway, so then I went in for an audition and I knew I wouldn't get it because I was, you know, this guy who made two-minute sketches on, you know, a show on SBS Viceland <laughs> that, you know, 40,000 people were watching. and but According, it was, according to Austin. According to who knows, who knows exactly. <laughs> and so I was so relaxed. It was just, I just got to play around with it because it's like, I'll never meet these people again. I'll just have fun and, and it'll be a good anecdote. Yeah. Oh, you know, I auditioned for this quiz show. 
And uh, and then like my audition was supposed to go for an hour, but that they ended up. I think I was there for like I might be exaggerating. I was pretty sure I was there for at least three hours, and they kept testing me with different people, and they tested me as the not sidekick, but uh, you know, they tested me as the, the you know the seated guy. They tested me as the standing one, and, and they flip it, you know, all, and just all these sorts of things. And I thought oh, that's interesting that they would do that. Anyway, eventually it ended, and I shook everyone's hands. I was like, I'll never see you again. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Good luck. Good luck with the show. <laughs> and then uh, and, you know, and then I got another call saying, oh, uh, Channel 10, Channel Ten would t- would like to see you on the set. And I'm like, <laughs> sure. So. You know, can you wear a suit? And so I, you know, wore a suit that I used to wear on the roast and turned up. And uh, and I had uh, at that time I was also doing a segment on the world on ABC News Twenty Four. It would be a, like a weekly kind of. It was a segment called What in the World, and it was my sort of take on some international news and just making jokes about it. And I had a sort of. I did that every Wednesday night, and the audition was was going to clash slightly with that. And I said. Uh, look, yeah, I can come and audition to host this game show, but I've really <laughs> got to be out of there by, you know, eight or whatever it was. And um, uh, because that was a paid gig. It was an yes, audition, of course. Uh, nothing. So, the, the, and so anyway, so and again, it's like, I'm not going to get this gig, so I'm not going to prioritize it over, you know, cash in hand. Oh, sorry, I'm not paid cash in hand. I should be clear in case there's any tax people. I just mean... <laughs> we don't have a whole lot of listeners in the tax community. Just sort of <laughs> oh, really? ATO's not I've, a big fan. Well, I've heard that you've got a lot of American listeners, so you never know where it's going to go. <laughs> I auditioned with a few people, but the last person I auditioned with is Andrew Rochford. And we didn't, we never even finished a full episode. We never even finished a full run-through before I had to leave we just ran out of time. i think we did two rounds uh, for our audition and then i had to leave and i'm so i'm running out of the abc uh, running out of the channel 10 building to get to the abc and i just hear this voice shouting down the cor- corridor it's andrew rochford shouting bye and i went <laughs> oh sorry uh, uh lovely to meet you uh good luck with everything uh i'll never see you again you know blah 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 and, and so he's always sort of held that over me that just like I was so rude <laughs> but I was just I just didn't think it would happen and so and then a few days later yeah I got the call saying yeah they want you to you know host this quiz show and I I still it still doesn't really make sense that it happened it's um, I love that it did it's just it's I think it's just always going to be a, a kind of fun story for me to tell people that I was briefly a quiz show host. Well, I think... So, if you've never seen Pointless before, shame on you because mm. it's your fault it's been axed. No, oh. kidding. Um, no, but it's, no, no, it's but basically right. like... It's a show where... So, it came in... Uh, Family Feud got axed. Yes. Grant Denyer was the host of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they said Pointless is the new thing that's going to take over 6pm weeknights on Channel 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of like, in some ways, it's the reverse of Family Feud. You've got to yes. get the obscure answers. Exactly. That's the thing. And I think that was part of the problem with it. I think people who loved Family Feud, couldn't get their head around the idea mm. of, you know, like they were so used to, you know, name something you can find in a bathroom, um, <laughs> a toilet. You know, they just couldn't <laughs> get beyond that first thought. Because there's strategy to Pointless. Yes. And that's what I that's what I loved about it. Mm. This is where I met you because yes. I was a contestant on the Very show. Very good contestant. <laughs> um, with my radio co-host, Duncan. Yes. Um, I, when, as soon as I heard it was being made, I'm like, we've got to apply for it. <laughs> And uh, that was back before we knew that you were hosting it and we applied, we, we got in for an audition and we just missed out on the first season. Like we were so late that we were the first, I think we were the first episode of the second season. Ah, right. Okay. 
But the the thing that I remember about this is that the show was announced that it was being axed the week that we were on the telly. <laughs> Just after our episode had aired and I thought, oh, I hope that's not our fault. <laughs> no, certainly not. And uh, no, you were two, two of the most entertaining contestants. So no, it's certainly not your fault. <laughs> but I, but and, and like for me, so we, we got, because you, you come back for a second episode and we, we crashed out in the first round of the first episode and the second show, we came back and we got through to the final round, mm. but got one point from Pointless, which means we missed out on the $16,000 jackpot, but mm. we got the Pointless trophy, there and I, it's still one of my most favourite possessions. Oh, good, good. Can you remind me what was the topic of your final round? Uh, ben Kingsley and Ben Affleck Films. Right, yes. And I, I locked in both the answers. Duncan mm-hmm. was trying to convince me that... Made in Manhattan. Oh. He was convinced that he was in that. And I said, no, 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 no. Mm. But I said, uh, The Jungle Book for Ben Kingsley. Mm. And that got one point. No, that is a good answer. Uh, so <laughs> I was a bit heartbroken. But you know what? I mean, our listeners loved it because they came along for the ride. Oh, great. But anyway, that all to say, um, I was a huge fan of the show. And I know that over the time that it was on telly, it really did gain a kind of cult following in some ways. Yeah, I, th- I mean, yes, obviously not a, not a big one, but I, I do, I, I certainly got the sense by the end, it was interesting watching sort of the social media reaction change. Like when it, when it launched, you know, suddenly a lot of people saw it and, and, you know, and a lot of people, you know, immediately didn't like it. Mm. But for those who stuck around, there, there did seem to be a real affection for it. And there, was, there were really lovely messages that came through in the sort of final weeks of the the show and I've subsequently gone on tour doing live shows and people come up after the show and say we miss Pointless and mm. we loved watching it and, and you know and it, it, it says something interesting about six o'clock weeknights you are you know you are part of those people's lives you totally know, part of their routine and I think that was also what was difficult for Family Feud viewers is that that had been a part of a lot of people's routine for several years mm. and suddenly it was taken away from them and who's this guy with the fabulous hair and great teeth? Um, but uh, <laughs> and, the, and the looseness yeah. as well. Like uh, it was, it got more loose as it went, right? Yes, exactly. You were dropping some risky stuff. <laughs> I know. Yes, I was always stunned by what uh, did made it through. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. I, <laughs> it just. Well, I mean, I, I guess. But you, I think, in some ways, you were trying to to hark back to the blankety blank days. Right? Exactly. That was certainly that was certainly it. And an um, old school kind of quiz show. I'm really glad that you made that reference to blankety blanks because that is exactly what I was trying to to channel. Um, and just something that was, yeah, just for the adults, for any, basically rewarding people who were listening. Mm. If you're paying attention, there's just a little, occasionally just little details that might just prick your ears up, but you know that doesn't kind of derail the show. Yeah. And I just didn't want to be a quiz show host in the sense of like, uh, by what I mean by, by that is I didn't want to be a run of the mill. I didn't want to be sort of going through the motions. I wanted there to be just a, an element of subversion or just something that showed that there was something going on behind my eyes. Now, I'm not saying that that's not what happened. <laughs> you know, that other quiz show hosts are that way. But I'm, well, let's take Eddie McGuire, for instance. Um, like he, you know, he's been doing it for so long now. Yeah. He's... You know, he's clearly very good at what he does. But, you know, I, 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 you don't get the sense that he's sort of um, trying to kind of reinvent the wheel. He's, got, he's, he's worked out what works for him and he's going through the motions mm. and, that, and that works. But for me, it was always like, 
Is there something else we can squeeze out of this moment? Is there some funny way we can just sort of spice up this segment? Yeah. And so, you know, one of my regrets is that I, I, I wasn't ready when the show started. It happened so quickly. The first, you know, few weeks, you're, you're, you know, you're watching a man on his first day at work in a new job and and I don't know how much of a stamp I can put on things you know again again who am who am I so I'm sort of just trying to not rock the boat and fortunately the producers were were very encouraging and saying no you can you can you know let's you know you can have fun with it and and when it came to your season season 2 there was a real effort made by the whole production to look at every element of the show and how can we get the most what how can we make this the most entertaining half hour possible part of it was contestants part mm. of it was saying okay well look obviously we want people who know their stuff but we also do want people with a bit of spark so yeah, every effort was made to try and make it as entertaining as possible and so we didn't have a big audience but we we had a wonderful audience and people who do really got it I really enjoyed just being, even despite being a contestant, being on set and watching you, you clearly prepared a lot of things in your notes. You were dancing around on set. You treated <laughs> you treated this very small studio audience like very special people because you know that they'd come in for what could be a very long record. Oh, yeah. And that was really, I saw that you were really invested in the show and I think that really encouraged me and you thanked us and I genuinely believed it that you th- that we'd spent the time to come on the show and to give it our best yes well uh, thank you for saying that but yes and I, the, the contestants are what actually makes these shows work there's obviously you know the host has a role to fill but, but it is actually the you, you you become invested in the in the uh, contestants almost as characters yeah. you're watching their journey and you're kind of interested in the dynamic especially because it's a show about pairs of the dynamic between the mm. two of them and you guys you know your work colleagues and so you've got a history and so there's you know you, you were different to a lot of other uh, pairs on there i was always amazed that people were not more nervous i was thrilled that people wanted to have fun with us and I think once the show had sort of established a tone you got the sense that people sort of they'd got used to stupid things that I was doing with how I would introduce the jackpot and so we had a couple of episodes where contestants would would impersonate me yes yes I loved that yeah Uh, yeah yeah when uh I mean when the show started and there was a lot of attention to the ratings yeah how much were you across the ratings each day of pointless tracking it it's a good question um the my general attitude to this sort of stuff is it doesn't help me there's nothing for me to gain from that Mm -hmm. so to the best of my ability i don't pay attention to it inevitably it is brought to your attention um one way or another um but i'm i think i made it clear at a certain point that I really didn't want to be part of those conversations mm. because if it's like oh you know we, we lost you know, however many viewers last night compared to last week what am, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that yeah how am I am I supposed to change the tone in which I say good evening I don't know <laughs> I don't know what to do with that hello some of Australia yeah exactly <laughs> that's it um so uh but uh, no, I know certainly I was certainly aware of it and I guess the other thing I would say is that I never expected the show to last. 
I don't expect anything to last. Mm. So I think I, I'd like to think I have a pretty healthy relationship or a healthy attitude towards TV and, and TV ratings, which is we're so lucky to have this opportunity. Let's make the best thing we can while we've got it. It's a privilege to be in this position, but I'm not owed this. I don't, mm. you know, I, I'm, I, it's a kind of, it's like a lottery that I got this job in the first place. So if it's taken away from me, that's totally understandable and I've got you know other things that I will pursue um, but uh, you know that's it would have loved it to have gone for years so that I could have you know uh, bought a house or <laughs> something like <laughs> something like that but um, yeah I, I was certainly aware of the ratings issues but felt I can only do the best that I can do can you remember where you were when you found out that it was axed and, and how you felt and Yes. Okay. So uh, it was actually acts. I, don't, I guess I can tell this story now. It was actually acts twice. Um, so uh, it was the first time was uh, Andrew and I were at a um, uh, fundraiser. It was a big fundraising event for uh, a group called uh, You Can, and um, it was it was a youth cancer fundraiser. Um, it was from the Sony Foundation. I'm just thinking if you found out there. Not the great. So, well, that's the thing. So, we found out just as we arrived at the (sighs) event. And so, yeah, it was a real, you know, um, that was, you know, it's a hard thing to take. The biggest thing for, for me that bothered me about it was the, I think a week later was supposed to be Channel 10's upfronts. Um, where uh, they were, you know, where they announced the shows that are going to be on next year. And Andrew and I were supposed to be in this big opening musical number. And I love musicals. And so there was this whole section where, uh, you know, Osher would sing a verse and Chris Brown and Julia Morris and Pete Hellier and all the Channel 10, you know, personalities. Yeah. And I, you know, Amanda Keller, I would get to be part of this big number. And that was, as a TV fan, as someone who watched the Logies every year, for better or for worse, <laughs> I loved the idea of being fun. And I'd gone, and we'd gone to the recording studio and laid down our vocal track where we had this, the whole song was like, it was like bigger, 10's getting bigger. And then we had this lyric, which was like, uh, uh, we're also back with Pointless, yeah, me and the doc. And then, Andrew had to say, uh, the points to get the fewest points. It's not that hard, guys. God, bigger, tens getting bigger. And then it was all like high kicks and everything. Uh, so I was so looking forward. In to your it. element. Exactly. And it was like, so yeah, guys, the rainies rainy just aren't doing well enough. So we're not going to be continuing with the show, which means we don't need you for that musical number. So the, <gasps> the devastation for me was actually not the cancellation. It was the <laughs> being oh, cut from the, <laughs> the musical number. So, so, that's, so we found that out. And then, so we had to go to the upfronts knowing full well that we wouldn't be coming back. And so it was just, it was not a fun event for us. Um, and then about a week later, our ratings kind of just went up just like enough for 10 to go, you know what, we're going to do another 65 episodes. So we got kind of renewed after thinking we were done. And so that was, that was thrilling. But again, I was like, that damn musical. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I could have done it, and uh, did so they anyway. what replace your verse with another one from Grant Daniel? Yeah, or something? exactly. Or? Exactly. Yeah, that they yeah. did. They, they they absolutely did. I can't remember what it was, but there was a, there was a verse where I went. He was uh, watching through gritted teeth oh, in the audience. Completely. Like, oh, yeah, a hundred percent. That should have been me. And um, <laughs> so we got this yeah second uh, lease on life, and um, yeah. So and so then the second time it was cancelled. I was actually at the ABC. I was filming a sketch for seven thirty. And got a phone call saying, 
because it was like we'd been teetering that the ratings had been like coming close to 200,000 and I think that day it had gone to 196 and it was I think that must have been like the magic number if you go below two that's it and so we got the call and, um, but we'd already shot uh, I think that's right we were in the middle of oh no, yeah I think we were in the middle of shooting that season that those final episodes uh, I think that's right yeah um, so I think we were told oh yeah we're going to shoot you know 10 episodes next week and then okay. that's it yeah. Right. I don't want to dwell too much on this. But oh, no, I know, please I know, do. No, 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 it's, not, it's not traumatic. No, 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 no. It's more <laughs> that I think... So, Grant Denyer came in with a new show, Celebrity Name Game, to replace. Yes. Pointless. It is now rating less than what Pointless was when it was axed. Well, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know that you've got a good relationship with everything that happened, but surely you must see that and go, oh, if only we just did another... 50 episodes or... Yes. I, 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 or could I, they bring back Pointless, you know? Uh, I mean, I certainly don't think the latter... I, I, I don't hold out any hope for it to be brought back. But I... I yeah, I do... Reg- Again, with coming back to the blankety-blanks thing, sometimes I do wonder whether it would have been better off just experimenting with it, just going, what would it look like if we put it on at 9 o'clock mm. and if we let it run the British length and if we added... You know, had an extra round and extra pair of contestants, and you know all those things that the longer version has, and give the show the space to breathe because it was edited to within an inch of its life. You know, each record took about an hour, but they had what went to air was twenty-two minutes, and it was frustrating to watch sometimes, knowing that there'd been some great spontaneous moment that had occurred yes or several yes and that those had hit the cutting room floor and the show just you know and, and it was just that the, the show you know that you had to get through the mechanics of the show within the, the time allotted and so you know the first thing to go is obviously all the extraneous stuff but that was the goal to me that was the best stuff so i would have loved to have seen a version Later at night, in the kind of in the way that you know, have you been paying attention? Is on at was that at nine? I can't remember. But um, I I would have loved to see what would have happened there. But in terms of the celebrity name game thing, I mean, from their perspective, I think when Family Feud ended, I think they were averaging around three hundred thousand. So it was then. I think we were then lower than what they had. So I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if ten went. You know what? Maybe we'll maybe we'll settle for what we had with Family Feud, or just go. Maybe we're done with game shows. Yeah, at six o'clock. Our topics: TV ratings, and I think that was one of the big stories of the year. There's a few others that stand out to me as far as overnight ratings have a big impact on mm-hmm. TV. Carl Stefanovic mm-hmm. is one mm-hmm. removed from the Today Show. Mm-hmm. Low ratings. Now a year later, he's being brought back for 2020. Hmm. Yes, and then I also think of um, Saturday Night Rove which was a pilot week show yes. that came back and it only lasted three weeks and then because of low ratings, taken off the air short of its six-episode run. Yes. So, with Saturday Night Rove, I I loved that pilot. I, I thought that was excellent. I don't know. Did you see it? I did see the pilot. Yeah. Yes, um, it was great. Yeah. That felt to me like a show which it was a no-brainer to commission that. I was just mm-hmm. like, that feels like a show that I would have watched the week before and it feels like a show that I would watch next it, it just felt like something that'd be part of your routine rove is someone who is 
very very talented and i only really came to appreciate that when i got to be on his show me the movie show and i did not realize just how naturally gifted he is and when i say naturally i mean it's a lot of work and years and years but he, he really is terrific at his job so I, I was very optimistic about that show and it felt like it was bursting overflowing with ideas you had judith lucy doing the voiceover sort of like the john which Blackman. was so good yeah she, she was, was fantastic I think in that pilot you had Tom Gleason do stand up. You had uh, you had a music act. You had uh, Merrick Watts was out doing a kind of stunt at someone's wedding. There was just there were sketches, yeah, and uh, Alex Lee and Alex J. There was just a lot going on. So then when it was commissioned, I thought fantastic. And then my my co writer from ABC from Seven Thirty and from the feed, Evan Williams, ended up as a writer on that show. So mm. I was thrilled mm. for him because mm. it's you know a great opportunity to work with Rove and various other people and be in a commercial environment all that sort of stuff and uh but then it, you know what that show ended up being to me felt like almost like they'd forgotten what the pilot had been or they had not been able to for whatever reasons replicate it i, I just thought it was odd things like uh they had jess malboy on the first episode and but she didn't sing Mm. and they had Luke McGregor on, but he didn't do stand-up. And so the things that you kind of would hope to see from those people, they they didn't get them to do that. So that, that felt odd. Um, and uh, I also remember, I think it sounded like maybe Rove couldn't hear Judith Lucy as clearly as before. There was like a delay or something. So there were a couple of times where I remember she had to like repeat jokes and it just made it, awkward and yeah okay yeah so anyway i don't want to obviously we're not here to just talk about rove but the i I just feel like somehow they kind of weren't able to replicate what Mm. they had had and but um i think the other sad thing about that was and this is what i guess what i would say about ratings and something that makes me a little anxious about the way ratings are interpreted is that if a show doesn't work there is the temptation to go well that not only did that show not work, that genre doesn't work. This is a big issue that we have with scripted comedy in Australia. That it, Because so little of it is produced on commercial television, there's a lot of pressure on whatever those shows are that do get made. And if that show fails, it's very easy for a 7, 9 or 10 to go, oh, well, comedy doesn't work. No, that that comedy didn't work. But there are obviously... Obviously, Australians love comedy. It's, it's a ridiculous idea to think that we don't. Um, and heaven knows, for years and years, hundreds of thousands of Australians watched Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory and then before that, Friends and Seinfeld and things. So obviously, yeah. we do like comedy. It's just it might just not be the right ones that they've found. But that's, that's one of the things on the ratings topic with the Rove thing. It didn't rate, and I understand that Rove, I think, came to, maybe willingly said, let's let it go. Um, but I, I hate to think that the lesson would, of that would be we're, ne- we're not going to do variety again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're doing fortnightly satirical spots on 7.30, which is, uh, an, you say it's an institution in Australia? I guess that's a, it's that's been around for so long. Yeah, and a, I think, yeah. A respected right. current affairs program. Yes. And what I find interesting is that I look at some of the sketches you've done and and I think a lot of, and I think this is true for the feed, what you're doing at the feed, so much of its viewing comes from online, mm. on Twitter, on mm. YouTube. And I think of, um, you did one with about uh, the, the Greta Thunberg sketch, yes. which had like 50, 15 million views online. Mm. And I think, well, probably when it was on TV, it might have been 
500,000, 600,000? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Does that weigh into this conversation about TV ratings? I think so. 7.30, we're lucky that that's a show that has a consistent viewership and that's, yes. just a, that's just a solid show. So you know that whatever happens, your sketch is likely to be seen by half a million viewers. And so compared to the feed, you know, where and I, and I actually don't know what the feed's viewership was, but it's safe to say it was you know a, a lower figure it was definitely true that more people were seeing our stuff online mm-hmm. i think this is true of the feed broadly people generally speaking do not tune in to watch the show at the time slot but they do absolutely consume it online uh so if you're lucky with um the sort of uh, public broadcasters that they're not as ratings driven so there's sort of room for there to be shows that not everyone's tuning in, but mm. but maybe there is you know a, a bigger audience online. That said, I I, I think you know, the, the feed because it does have advertising or SBS because it does have advertising. I know that ideally the network would love there to be actual more people tuning in uh, to the show itself. But yes, so in terms of seven thirty, I think generally speaking though, uh, it's probably the viewership on TV. Is is probably about is probably more or roughly the same to what our reach ends up being online. Okay. It's only I think the, the Greta thing is certainly like an exception. Sure, that was you know pretty wild. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now we, we mentioned it briefly earlier that Oztam are going to change things next year because they measure TV ratings, but they've said that next year they're introducing Voz ratings, <laughs> which is a strange way of saying Virtual Australia. But I've written here, it's the foundation of Australia's new total TV reporting standard. Voz brings together broadcast plus viewing on TV sets and connected devices to provide all-screen cross-platform planning and reporting for Australia's television industry. I'm guessing that just means they'll include things like catch-up. That's my understanding. Rather than just who's watching it at that moment because our viewing habits have changed. Completely, yeah. So this sounds like a positive step in that in that world um so we'll 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 get a better sense of it in the in the new year but from you know the press release that i've read it's 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 a, it sounds like a step in the right direction mm. we did a um a phoner like a talkback topic on our show recently do you ever watch tv live and pretty much no one said yes I, do you do you uh, watch live tv no i no uh i i can't remember the last time i had a conversation with someone about what they'd watched live on tv the, the, the thing i hear all the time is and this was certainly true in point with pointless was friends saying oh you know i haven't seen the show i don't have a tv um so many people just don't have a tv and you can yeah and then of course you can go well you know you can download the 10 play app and watch it in your own time but um, please do please, please. <laughs> um but uh, but no, I think that's I know so many people who don't have a TV, or if they do, they're using it the way that I do, which is for streaming. Part of my problem with my team, I can't get the uh, reception to work, and I've given. I up. can't either in my <laughs> place as well. I've got so, an Apple TV recently, right? And exactly. I just watch things through that. That's it. So if I want to watch live TV, I will go onto the, for instance, the iView app, and then do the live channel streaming yes. thing. That's how I'll do it. But uh, no, I've cracked the... I, I'm, I'm over the, the antenna. I've, I, I've, <laughs> I've given up on that. Well, we moved in. I moved in. I'm renting. Mm-hmm. Moved in at the start of the year. And oh, there actually isn't an antenna on the roof. Brilliant. 
So that wasn't happening. Yeah. Every time I move, I think maybe this will be the place that has reception. It never is. Uh, <laughs> never is. Meanwhile, there's this TV antenna business. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what not are, getting oh. any work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So what? So we should we should move into wrapping up. Um. We've we've we live in a fragmented TV viewing world, but yet overnight TV ratings are still kind of the the be all and end all for some TV shows. We've yeah. seen that this year. Yes, you've seen that personally. Yes, yes, exactly. So, what what are we going to do about TV ratings? What do you think? <sighs> do you think Oztan's doing a good thing next year, or do you think we could do more? I, th- I mean, I'm certainly encouraged by that. So I'll, I'll reserve judgment. I think the, the thing I, I would just say is. Uh, this, it's one thing to change the way that we measure ratings, but it's also just one way to change the way we talk about ratings and the way that networks react to ratings. And so, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, the I think it's just about not taking the wrong lessons from ratings. So again, if a show in a particular genre doesn't connect, don't try not to take that as a as a view that you know. Yeah, if a comedy show doesn't rate, let's not say that comedy doesn't work if a variety show doesn't rate let's not say that variety doesn't work i think also in terms of the speculation speculation that goes on as a result of overnight ratings is actually quite unhealthy i understand why it happens i understand that media writers have jobs to do but it the the unfortunate side effect of that is it can create kind of panicked thinking Mm. and uh it prevents people from uh sort of settling into their roles it forces people to go, hang on, we need to change something. And it's just like, it may come good if we just, if we just, you know, if you just sort of hold on for a, a moment and just let us find our feet and let us get comfortable. Now that, you know, not, you know, when you've got advertisers and things that totally understand, you can't always afford to do that. But in an ideal scenario, that would be the case. There are countless examples of shows which, you know, when they started out, you know, shows like MASH, shows like, Se- and we're going back here, obviously, MASH, Seinfeld, have you been paying attention is the classic example. That is something which did not rate well when it started, mm. but it was allowed to kind of build an audience. And now it is consistently, you know, 900, th- like crazy figures. So there are there is evidence to support that idea of just letting something build. You can't always do that. So that's 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 what I would say about ratings, again, is how you interpret them. Try not to panic. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you see that it's really just never going to get better, sure. But in an ideal scenario, just let people find their feet and then word of mouth will spread and, and the audience will find it if it's good. Mm. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I love how passionate you are about TV, making good quality TV. I think so. I mean, so much of what is on free to air is is often just going through the ropes of doing the same thing again and again and again. But you are I love that you're inventive and that you want to put that effort in despite what the result might be at the other side. So Yes. Yeah. Thanks for um spending time talking to me about T V ratings. Oh, thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me on your show. My thanks to Mark Humphreys, who you can follow on Twitter at Mark Humphreys and on Instagram at Humphreys Mark. His satirical sketches can be seen on ABC 7.30 every second Thursday night. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It means a bunch that you did. And I would love for you to subscribe and even rate and review the show if you enjoyed it. Every review helps. You can also follow me at Sam Square Eyes on Twitter. And this show is on Instagram and Facebook at What Shall We Do Pod. 
What Shall We Do About is hosted and produced by me, Sam Robinson, with production support from Ali Barnes and original theme music by Chad Gardner. I'll see you next time.